Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to a familiar passage, John chapter number 3. And during this second service, we've been looking at and getting a fresh look at doctrinal teachings. We're really explaining to you, we're Emmanuel Baptist Church and this is why. And so we're looking at those things and, and we've looked at things like a fresh look at transformation and a fresh look at no condemnation, a fresh look at the ordinary means of grace. We've looked at grace. We've talked about transformation. And next on my list was supposed to be, and I thought I was going to talk about sanctification, a fresh look at sanctification. But while I was studying that message, I came to realize that there was something that I needed to highlight before we discuss sanctification, and that is regeneration or being born again. So we're going to get a fresh look at what it means to be born again. And there's one part of this that I had, it's kind of fresh to me, it's kind of, kind of new a little bit, and I never thought about it in this way. And, and you know, really a lot of what I'm going to share with you today is simply coming out of, and many of you have this, um, a systematic study of Bible doctrine by T.P. Simmons. Um, but anyway, because of some of, the, some of the quotes that he has in this book, and he and A.H. Strong, this is, I'm going to use a lot of, of what's found in this book. But the first thing we're going to do is we're going to look at where we come to the, to, to the understanding of uh, being born again. And that's the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. John chapter number 3 and verse number 1. It says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, You must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou, can't, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? And so that's what we're going to answer today. We're going to answer or look into the question of Nicodemus, how can these things be? So the first thing we want to do is we just want to kind of look at this conversation where Jesus mentions that uh, man must be born again. And it's the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. And we find in verse number one that Nicodemus is a Pharisee he has an inquiring mind. He's a ruler of the Jews, a member of the Sanhedrin. He's a very wealthy man. You don't rise to be a member of the Sanhedrin as a Pharisee without wealth, without uh, very great religion. But we also know that he's one of the greatest adversaries of Jesus. And so he came to Jesus by night and, and he 
came to Jesus by night. He had some questions. He, he wanted to know about Jesus. Again, we see the miracles. We know you must come from God, but you know, I don't really understand who you are and why you are. And so he comes kind of in the, uh, at night. So he won't be seen and noticed by others. And he wants to know, I mean, I know you're from God because no man can do these things except God be with him. But, but I don't get it. Why, why aren't you living according to the law? Why aren't you, why aren't you a Pharisee? Why aren't you a member of the Sanhedrin? Why are you who you are? It's interesting that Jesus, Jesus uh, doesn't really answer his question. He flips the conversation. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you. So he, he really doesn't, Jesus doesn't really address the topic of what Nicodemus is talking about. He changes the topic completely. And he gets to the point, Nicodemus, except a man be born of God, he can't see that be born again he cannot see the kingdom of God and so he's going to point him to the kingdom but he's also going to mention to him about being born again but I want you to see this is an example of how we can turn an everyday conversation into gospel conversations somebody comes to you and has a question and you don't have to answer that question you can point him right to the kingdom of God just flip the conversation turn an everyday conversation into a gospel conversation and why would we want to do that why would we want to have a gospel conversation with someone? It's because through the foolishness of preaching that God saves those that believe. The gospel is the means whereby people will be born again. And the reason we want to change a normal conversation into a gospel conversation is because that's the means whereby they can be saved. Jesus tells him, you must be born again. And Nicodemus, wait a minute. What do you mean born again? How can you go into your mother's womb and be born the second time? That's foolish, Jesus. What are you talking about? You can't climb back into your mother's womb, especially if your mother's dead. How can you be born again? I don't get it, Jesus. And then Jesus responds, well, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you uh, that you must be born again. Jesus said, look, it's simple, Nicodemus. You need to be born naturally of the water and you need to be born spiritually by the Spirit. Now, if you're looking at this conversation and you're looking at the conversation between Nicodemus and, uh, and Jesus and you don't really have any preconceived ideas and you just think about the conversation, the context that the conversation that Jesus and Nicodemus is having, that verse right there, it is very simple for us to understand. We know that Jesus is talking about being born twice, right? You got to be born again. So you got to be born the first time and you got to be born the second time. And if you're not born the second time, you won't see the kingdom of God. So, so understanding being born of the water and being born of the spirit is not really difficult to, to interpret if you pay attention to the context of what is being said. Except... There's, there's come along a group of people who, oh, there, see, you got to be born of the water. And they have developed this theology that says you have to be baptized in order to be born again. In order to have go to heaven, you got to be baptized. Where is baptism anywhere in this conversation at all? It's not. 
They have added, oh, that means baptism. Born of the water, that means baptism. And so they have muddied the water in their desire to create a new doctrine. They have taken the conversation completely out of context and saying, see, their water, that means baptism. I mean, a small child, if you, asked, if you read that passage to them, they would not get baptism from that. It's very simple. When you're interpreting the scriptures, let the plain things be the plain things. Think about the context of the conversation. What is Jesus talking about? Being born twice. Being born the first time, naturally. Being born the second time, spiritually. This passage is really not very difficult to interpret, even though there are people that will fight you tooth and toenail to say that means baptism. Okay, let them go. Listen. If they say you've got to be baptized in order to be born again, they're adding works to salvation and they're putting, uh, they're putting, giving value to their baptism. Potentially, they're not born again if they're trusting in their baptism to get them to heaven. We need to understand the seriousness of that argument. But again, I don't want to get into that too much because I just want us to understand when Jesus says you must be born again, he's not talking about water baptism. You've got to be born the first time, you've got to be born the second time. We understand that this being born again is at the spiritual level. What does Jesus say? Well, that shouldn't. It, I'm talking about spiritual things here. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. What I'm telling you is this being born again is being born again at the spiritual level. And Jesus uses an example of the wind. He said, look, you feel the wind blowing and you see the effects of the wind, but you don't know where it came from and you don't know where it's going. But you don't doubt the presence of the wind, right? Because you can see the effects of it. Well, the same way with being born in the Spirit. It happens even though you can't see it, you can't touch it, you can't feel it. It happens. Someone is born again on the spiritual level. And so we know that it happens below the level of consciousness. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. You will be able to see the effects of being born again. And so I was going to talk about sanctification. But before we can get to the point of being sanctified, we have to think about what does it mean to be born again? And so Nicodemus asked that question, how can these things be? And that's what we want to dig into today. So an explanation of the new birth. What does Jesus mean when he says, you must be born again? Why is the new birth necessary? So to find the reason why it's necessary, let's turn to the book of Romans in chapter number 8. Why is the new birth necessary? Romans chapter number 8, going to read verses 16 and 17. And it says this, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. God's spiritual blessings are for his children. The hope of being a joint heir with Jesus, the hope of being glorified together with him is only for his children. Those promises are not for everyone. Those promises are only for the children of God. In the fall... When Adam and Eve sinned, 
And Adam, as one man's sin came into the world and death by sin. We know that when Adam sinned, man lost his moral and spiritual likeness to God. We were created in God's image and we were created in innocence. That means that we were morally pure and we were holy. But when Adam sinned, man lost that. And we were plunged into sin. Man ceased to spiritually be the child of God. That moral purity, that holiness that Adam had in the garden, man lost. We're depraved. We're sinners. We're still created in the image of God. We're created in the image of God person in personality. In other words, we still have a body and a soul and a spirit. We still have that, but it's not the same. The soul is now depraved. The soul is not like it was in the garden. The soul is no longer holy. The soul is no longer innocent. The soul is now guilty before God. We're different. We're not like we were in the garden. We're different than the animals also. Because the animals has a life. It has a body. It has a soul. It has instincts. But the conscience to think about life and the meaning of it is not present in the animal. The animal can't consider uh, life and decisions that they make and have a morality and say, we're going to make a decision to kill that other animal based upon morality. They don't have a consciousness like we do. We have a consciousness, and the way that we're created in the image of God is the consciousness that we have. Again, the animal has instincts, but it doesn't have consciousness. And so there's a difference between uh, human life and animal life. So, so we retain the natural basis of sonship in that we were created in the image of God and we have a consciousness, but we lost the holiness of spirit. And so the reason we must be born again is because there's something missing in us. We are not candidates for heaven. We don't have within us that which would make us available to go to heaven. So man is morally and spiritually, because of sin, the child of the devil. If you look at John chapter number 8 and verse number 44, and there's other verses that we could look at, but here's what it says. John chapter number 8 and verse number 44. And he says, You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So everyone who is not born again, they are morally and spiritually the child of the devil. There are only two states for men. They're either a child of God or the child of the devil. I'm not going to make you turn here. I'll just read this text of Scripture to you. 
And it says this, In this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. There's only two. The children of God and the children of the devil. If you've not been born again, you are not the child of God. Who are you then? You're the child of the devil. There's not some intermediate range where, well, you know, I might be a child of God, I might be a child of the devil. I, I don't want to be a child of the devil, but I'm doing my best to be the best that I can be. But listen, if you're not a child of God, you're a child of the devil. If you've not been born again, you're a child of the devil. And how are they made manifest? Whosoever doeth uh, not righteousness is not of God. If you have not perfectly lived obediently to the law of God your whole life, never sinning one time, the first time you sin, you're a child of the devil. And the Bible tells us we come out of the womb speaking lies. We're a, we're a sinner the moment that we ha- are born. So we are not physically, naturally the child of God. We are the child of the devil. And so man in his nature is spiritually dead. And Simmons says in his book, the statement that man is spiritually dead means that man is, because of sin, Devoid of divine spirit life. Although you have a natural spirit life, although you have a body and you have a spirit, you're devoid of divine spirit life. That which was given to us of God. That which we lost in the fall. We are devoid of divine spirit life. And this is displayed by a lack of affection for God. Do you know why people don't want to serve God wholeheartedly? It's because they don't love Him. It's simple. They don't have an affection for the things of God. The natural man has no ability to love the things of God. So it's it's simple. The natural man displays a lack of affection for God and the things of God because they do not love God. Because someone who has been born again, they will love him. So so God rules over his people. Why is a new birth necessary? It's, It's necessary because God's spiritual blessings are for his children. Because men are spiritually and morally dead. And by nature they are dead. And God rules over his people. He is the Lord in their hearts and the lives of the saints. One who is dead doesn't submit to the rule of God in their life or desire the rule of God in their life. They don't want God to be the new ruling disposition in their life. They want to do what they want to do. They want to do what is pleasing to them and they want to do whatever they think they can do to try to get to heaven because they don't want to die and go to hell and they want to try to do what they can do to get to heaven but they don't want to do what God says. But for the one who is born again, The one who is born again now because they have the divine spirit living in them, they desire to submit their lives to the rule of God in their lives. That's why it's necessary. Because without the spirit, uh, without being born again and being born of the spirit, you will not have a desire to have God rule in your life. And so the nature of the new birth now. First thing. It is not an eradication of the old nature. When you are born again, that doesn't mean the old nature that you were born with naturally goes away. That's always going to stay. Here's the key point, and here's the point that I hadn't considered before. 
in this way, when one is regenerated, when one is born again, a change of the ruling disposition in one's life, including the minds and affections, as well as the will, takes place. This is what it means to be born again. When you're born again, you have a new ruling disposition in your life. What is most important to you? What God says and pleasing God or pleasing yourself and doing what you say. The one that is born again, because they have the Spirit of God living in them, their desire now is to let the Spirit of God be the ruling disposition in their life. Very few people have that, by the way. But that's the way you tell the difference between one who is born again and one who is not. The Spirit of God becomes the ruling disposition in one's life. The mind, the affections, the things you love, and your will. God comes in control of your will. Now, that happens instantaneously, but it plays out over the long term in your life. That's what sanctification is. The playing out of the changing of your will, the changing of your mind, the changing of your affections. It happens instantaneously, but you have to learn how to apply that into your life. That's what sanctification is. But we needed to get to where what sanctification we needed to get to what it means to be born again before we could begin thinking about sanctification. And again, we remember that the new heart does not re- displace the old. The old carnal nature remains at the spirit level. You have Uh, two different spirits. You've got the old nature, the old sinful spirit, the old sinful life, and you have the new spirit, and you have the new life, which after God is created in righteousness and holiness, and because that old carnal nature remains, and the new new, uh, spirit that's created after God, they're both present in your spirit, there's going to be a clashing of those two. And, 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 and Paul tells us about that, right? Paul tells us about that in Romans chapter number 7. They say if you have people turn more than once in their scripture, you're going to learn, lose them. The more scriptures you turn to, the more likely you're going to lose people. And so I'm, But we've still got to turn there to this one. Notice what he says. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would that, do I not, but what I hate, that I, that do I. If I then do that which I would not, I can send unto the law that it is good. For now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. And so we understand that sin is present and and with with our you read now I see a law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity the law of sin which is in my members so so Paul is saying I understand this conflict this war that's going on that what I that what I don't want to do that's what I do and and what I know God wants me to do I have trouble doing what God wants me to do because this old man is fighting against the new man and there's this clash going on at the spiritual level and what I would not that's what I do and what I want to do I can't do it and so there's this constant conflict and it's because you've been born again you have this new 
spirit living inside of you and it's telling you that what the old man wants to do is wrong and sin. You need to do something different and they're conflict and they're clashing. And so we have this battle with indwelling sin, don't we? So we have these two natures, the new placed alongside the old and the new birth leaves the, leaves the old nature unaltered. In other words, the same sinful inclination that you had before you were born again and the power of the old man to act out on those sins, that nature is always going to be present with you. It's always going to be pulling you away from God. It's always going to be pulling you to sin of the flesh. It's always going to be wanting you to do what is pleasing to the flesh. That power, those sinful inclinations are always going to be present with you. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so what the new man does is he teaches you how to control. Remember, self-control was one of the fruit of the Spirit. The new nature teaches you how to control the old man and the old flesh. Even though those sinful inclinations are going to be there, the Spirit's going to lead you to do righteousness. And so we understand that because we've been born again, there's this conflict in the Spirit. Now, now the, there are some, some uh, phrases used in the Scripture that, that tells us about the old man, the, the things like the flesh, the body, the old man, indwelling sin, and the carnal minds. Those are all... Found in the scripture, and when you see that, it's talking about the old man that was that is the child of the devil, that was uh, led by the devil, and, and and all of that. So, we also want to understand when considering being born again, we want to understand that it's not simply just reformation. You know, I'm going to change the outside. I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I'm not going to sin anymore. You know, I'm going to stop cussing or I'm going to stop drinking or I'm going to stop this or when I get my life right, then I'll go to church or whatever. Listen, being born again is not that. Because if you've ever tried to do that, you know how successful that is, right? Reformation is, is superficial. It's on the outside. It's only of the external circumstances. And it leaves the nature the same. Your, your old sinful nature is just, it, it's still the same thing. But you're trying to change it. You're trying to do better, but it's still sinful. And you know what? People may have this reformation for a period of time where they're going to start doing better, trying to do better, whatever. But we know that it doesn't last. You find that even in the scripture when the parable of the seed being sown, Right? The seed, uh, when hard times come, it, it dries up and it fades away. And only the seed that is real seed grows and produces fruit. And so reformation will not laugh, last. The new birth will lead to reformation. But the new birth comes first. You're born again of the Spirit, which causes reformation. You will be changed. But it will be changed because you're being led by the Spirit and not because you're trying to change your life just to get into a place where God is pleased with you. So regeneration defined. Regeneration is a supernatural, instantaneous work of God in the region of the soul below the consciousness whereby the sinful bent imparted to the faculties of the soul in the fall of the race is rectified 
and through the instrumentality of the Word of God, the initial exercise of the holy disposition thus imparted is procured. That's the definition. I know that's a long definition, but it means you're born again and the old man is still present and the, your, your sinful bent is still there. But the, the way to have eternal life and holiness is procured for you so that you now receive the Spirit after God, which now gives you the ability to walk in holiness. Remember, walk in the Spirit and what? Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That comes because you've been born again. You have that Spirit now to lead you. And when you are being led by the Spirit, you will not sin. So we understand, anytime we sin, that means we're not being led by the Spirit. John 1.13 says, you don't have to turn there, just let me turn it quickly. John 1.13 tells us that being born again is a, the work of God. It's not within man. It says, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man. It's not the will of man at all, but are born of God. So the, the new work, the new birth is, a, is the work of God. It's not a joint work between God and man. It is God regenerating you and making you alive. It is God imparting in you His Spirit. It's making you a new creature in Christ Jesus. Now, what's going to happen, what is comes along with that are repentance and faith. Repentance and faith are not conditions of regeneration, but they are the gifts of God. It is the sovereign act of God in its initial phase, the quickening, it's unconditional, and it's the work of God in your heart where His Spirit comes into your spirit, and He gives you a new spirit. He gives you the spirit which is created after God, and you are born again. It's a supernatural work. Again, remember, we have a new baby in our midst, right? And we know what causes a baby to be born, right? There's some natural laws that take place. And we can see whenever that begins to take place and, and, a, and a baby begins to grow in a mother's womb, right? And so we see that it, natural laws are what produces a baby to be born. But spiritually, we don't know because it's a supernatural work of God. It's, taken, it's, it's done in a place where we can't see. It happens according to the will of God. There's no natural law. Man continues on in sin. He possesses no power to change the course of his life. It is the power of God which creates the new birth in us. It's a supernatural work. It's also an instantaneous work. A.H. Strong says this, Regeneration is not a gradual work. Although there may be a gradual work of God's providence and spirit preparing the change and a gradual recognition of it, after it has taken place, there must be an instant of time when, under the influence of God's Spirit, the disposition of the soul, just before was hostile to God, is now changed to love. So it's an instantaneous work. Again, we've mentioned it already several times. It takes place in the soul below consciousness. It rectifies that which occurred in the soul in the fall of race, and it completes... It is not complete until repentance and faith have been wrought in the soul. 
Repentance and faith should not be thought of as a part of regeneration uh, rather than as fruits of regeneration. The soul is not renewed so long as it remains in impenitence and unbelief. So you're regenerated and the first things that happen are repentance and faith. If you have never repented and if you've never had faith, then you've not been born again. Because the natural thing is, once you're born again, you want to repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in Christ. And as I thought about this, I thought about it in my own life. I can remember when I was hostile toward God and that a change happened almost immediately and there was a difference. I wanted to repent of my sin. I saw I was guilty before God and I was sorry for my sin and I repented of that and asked God to forgive me. I can remember and the, the condition of that was we were working at racks and we were closing and somebody was playing Christian music. This was just a couple of weeks before I was saved. And I was like, turn that old awful Christian music off, blankety, blankety, blank, 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 blank. And I was really feeling the weight of my sin and the guilt of my sin. And I didn't want to hear that because it was Christian. And if I heard that Christian music, it was going to lay more burden and guilt upon me. So I was like, turn that blankety, blankety, blank stuff off. Shortly thereafter, the Lord revealed to me my sin. I was born again, and I repented. And I put faith in Christ. And I said, can you please turn that Christian music on? There was a change that took place because I'd been born again. You should be able to remember that too. When that change took place, when your desire to fulfill and satisfy the lust of the flesh went away, and your desire to serve God came into being when you're born again. If we're going to be sanctified, if we've got to think about sanctification, we've got to know what it means to be born again. There's more to be said about being born again, but and we might mention that next week to lead into the sanctification message, but, but here you are, a fresh look at what it means to be born again. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will bless your people with the preaching of your word. Be with them throughout this week. Help us to honor you and love you with our lives because we know that we have been born again. Thank you for this time we had to be together and to worship you today. In the name of Jesus, we pray.